Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We host Pantsuit Politics, a podcast with a remarkable community of listeners. Here on The Nuanced Life, we come together every week to answer your questions and commemorate your milestones in hopes of bringing a little more grace to every aspect of life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Nuanced Life. We have a very special conversation to share with you. I joined the lovely Nora and Natalia at Cafeteria Christian for a great conversation that we are going to share with you here today. I love that these two are reclaiming that pejorative and reminding people that when it comes to Christianity and faith, even when it comes to Christianity and faith, you can take what you like and leave the rest. I think you're really, really going to enjoy this conversation. Before I share it with you, we have exciting news. We're going to be hosting a live virtual event. We're calling it pre-election political therapy. That's what we do on Pantsy Politics. We just give people a space to process their feelings about the intense environment that is American politics right now. So on Friday, October 23rd at 8 p.m. Eastern, we will be hosting pre-election political therapy. We're going to have time together to connect, work through some questions, work through some fears and anxieties, and we really hope you'll join us. The link is in the show notes, and you can also join us for a live meet and greet. It's really cool. It's like we have our own little video call with the people who get the meet and greet package. We really missed this. This was our favorite part of the Nuance Nation tour is when all of y'all would line up and we get to hear your stories and see your faces. And it sucks that we can't do that in person, but we're going to try the next best thing. So we hope that you'll join us for pre-election political therapy on Friday, October 23rd. And now, without further ado, here's my conversation on Cafeteria Christian. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Nuanced Cafeteria Christian Life. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> the crossover I've been dreaming for. Oh, I love it. Uh, this is a dream. It is a dream. And why is it a dream? Because... Today, everybody who's in, by the way, Sarah, our community is also reading your book. Yay! So this is very, very special. I love it. To us. Here's the thing. So Cafeteria Christian is a podcast for people who are like, Jesus, heard good things about him. However, the people wearing his jersey, I yep. do not love the way they behave in the stadium. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't, they have, they're poor sports. Oh poor my God. sports. Yeah, they are. <laughs> right. It's just yeah. I don't well. So this is this is a space for people who are like that. We there are people in our community who have been harmed by the church, people who are new to the church, people who are like, honestly, my church has been pretty fine, but but I've got questions, but I want to talk about things. And that's what we do here. We start every episode with something that Natalia does not enjoy, but I do, and many of our <laughs> listeners also do. Sarah, I have to tell you, somebody made a poll on our Facebook group. And everybody, it was a hundred percent that they like this, and and just me <laughs> I was like, I don't <laughs> like it. So it was every every listener and the other hosts 
against against Natalia. No, Natalia. actually, Jesse and Emmy don't really love this either. So, okay, but guess what? They're not here today. So this is great. <laughs> this is great for me. So um, I'm Nora McInerney, and I'm joined by my host, Natalia Turfa, and a very special guest, Sarah Stewart Holland. This is an incredible day for us. Uh, and Sarah, tell tell our listeners how they know your name and your voice. Well, you probably know my name and my voice from our podcast, Pantsuit Politics, which is the first podcast we started where we talk politics. We try to have grace-filled political conversations. We started in 2015. We had no idea what the universe had in store for us. Um, it's been a, <laughs> quite a journey over there. And that podcast was the impetus for our book. I think you're wrong, but I'm listening to Guide to Grace-Filled Conversation. But at the end of every Tuesday episode, we have this segment of our show called Outside Politics, where we had conversations about marriage and life and all this stuff, and they were getting real long, too long. And so we're like, maybe this needs to have its own home. And that's where mm -hmm. we started The Nuance Life. Um, and we started having sort of just cultural conversations. And then we stumbled upon something, sort of a community service we realized everybody really needed. Uh, we take advice questions, but we also commemorate moments in life that, like, don't get enough love. You know, everybody gets, we get baby showers and wedding showers and graduations and retirements. But there's moments where it's like, I mean, we have everything from I learned to mow the lawn by myself to I'm grieving my relative's death by suicide. I mean, everything or, or there's a new phase of grief that I want to commemorate or, you know, career journeys, just all these moments where you're like, have that moment of self-awareness where you think I've done something here and you want to share that. We do that on the nuance life as well. It's always my favorite part of the show. So there, that's that's like a huge reason why, uh, I mean, why we're why we're speaking to you because I I think there's so much in both of our ethoses, <laughs> in the ethos of each of our show, uh, that that really overlaps. And guess what, uh, Natalia and I have both struggled with in life. Nuance, okay? Mm. Nuance. I am being personally attacked, victimized by your book. Okay, I am being uh, I am being called out alone in my room. It is an unpleasant experience. And oh, I, I also have ADHD and I have not taken medication today. <laughs> what? what? Of, that is shocking. Where, so where we started this, where we started four minutes ago was that I was going to ask everybody, uh, I was telling you a thing that we do on our podcast, which is- I know, I was I wondering, asked, I was like, was it just saying our names? Why does she hate no, that so much? Yeah. <laughs> no, we're coming back around. We're coming back around. And it's like, this is, I used to describe my brain as a jet ski, not a train of thought, just like a jet ski, because you can go anywhere and you will. <laughs> and the jet ski is being driven by a mammal who should not be given- um, a motor vehicle, <laughs> especially not an aquatic motor vehicle, oh, because that's very God. dangerous. So, so getting a human back on this jet ski, what is on everybody's tray? And when I say <laughs> that, <laughs> our our motto is take what you like and leave the rest. And so, so I'll go. So obviously, I'll go first. Oh, <laughs> my oh Sarah, God. you're getting such a good a good you're taste really, of what you will, you will never be back. Like. You will never come back. This will no, you I love will it. you will email your producer. You'll be like, what the f happened today? What the <laughs> like what was that? Okay, so this week we've got uh, we oh my god, school is challenging all of us. Um, it's challenging all of us, and um, we all are at that point. Um, 
where we dislike everything about uh, the people in our household, like things that have never bothered us before. (laughs) All of a sudden, like our four-year-old is, he's not even four. And now we've already rounded up his age so we can like Mm -hmm. him less. And and we're just so sick of like things that we thought were cute before. We're like, oh my God, if he asked me to feed him a hot dog one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> it's just, we're all losing it. We're all losing it. I would like to, to leave that behind. I would like to, I would like to just be a more chill person. However, that has posed some challenges. But one thing that I am not engaging with right now is I am not, and this is also very very much thanks to thanks to uh, to Sarah and 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 her her co-author slash co-host host Beth, I am not getting into it on the internet. I am being a little more nuanced. Good That's in my very consumption, good. in my consumption especially, and trying to be a lot more aware of that. And I have to say that I think that it it. I can I can track my heart rate on this bit bit, and um, <laughs> it's down. And also, um, I feel like some of the ways that I engaged in the internet before were like digital pollution and emotional yeah. pollution. Yeah. And uh, and I'd like to I'd like to I'd like to you know leave that if I may. <laughs> got it. Got it. So Sarah, the what's on your tray is like sort of an ask of what things are you taking. And what things are you leaving this week? So if you want to participate about what's on your tray right now, um, that's sort of like, I feel like this is sort of like your, what's, what's your life like outside of politics question Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, what's really on the front of your mind right now. So, wow. Context. We love it. Well, you know, I think what's, what's hard right now, (laughs) you know, I never would have thought that the fact that my children are in school five days a week and my backyard is not on fire would leave me Mm. feeling like the tippity top of Americans, like the most blessed and grateful and lucky of American citizens. Just those two most basic sort of environmental factors. Just (laughs) I'm not running for my life and my children are in public school. Like, (laughs) no, it's breaking my heart, man. Like that should not be our standard for feeling Mm. like, I've been blessed by a you know multitude of angels, but that's a little bit what it feels like now. You know, I have family on the West Coast and um, lots and lots of beloved friends on the West Coast, and it's you know, it's I'm really struggling with a sense of helplessness watching what they're going through. It's really really hard, and you know, swept up in this you know election. Uh, what's the word? Disaster. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just you know. That's really hard right now. I'm trying to keep perspective as far as, you know, I am really, I am grateful for my family. I'm grateful that my kids are in school. I told somebody the other day, like, you know, it's like that sensation you get when your newborn starts sleeping for a couple hours in the middle of the day. And you're like, I could do anything. I could paint my entire house. I could build a jet engine. <laughs> yes! like, I'm unstoppable. That's yes. how I feel right now because they're gone. They're gone from eight to four, you know, and it's like. I just feel like I could do anything, like literally any, like being able to complete a thought without mom, 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 mom. I hit my breaking point a little bit earlier in the summer and hired a a full-time nanny because I was just, I couldn't, I could not. 
I was like, I don't care if we <laughs> go broke. I don't care if we have to file for bankruptcy. Like, <laughs> this is going to happen because I can't do this anymore. And my husband's like, I think it's going great. I'm like, I bet you do, sweetheart. I bet you do. I really oh, bet you do. Oh, um, and no, you know, no, no, <laughs> no shade to him. He was coming home so I could record, but like recording is, is just a small fraction of what we do. We have to prepare. We have other projects. So just feeling yeah. like, feeling really grateful. <laughs> I'm also off by trade. This current moment in my life is a bathroom renovation that's been going on since June 30th. So uh, that was a while ago. Yeah, it feels pretty good. It's amazing. I had like a 1990s dream bathroom with like, you know, the the (laughs) countertops where they put them so low, you'd like you get a backache when you wash your face. Yes. They they were like low. Yeah. Yeah, I told my husband, Which I was like, so strange. I'm like, were people shorter in the 90s? I don't think they were. I told my husband, I was like, I didn't think like, not having a backache when I wash my face would feel so luxurious, but it really does. It feels really <laughs> luxurious. So that's ex- that's been really, really nice to have done and to be able to enjoy. Although, again, because of the plight of our fellow Americans enjoying anything feels like a sin right now. But that's that's just our psychology. That's a that's a common, oh. I think, reaction. I can't enjoy anything if people are out there being worse off than me. But you know. yeah, because because if you enjoy it less, it will actually lessen their suffering. Exactly. If you, if you are more miserable about exactly. something no, good, it's yes. so true. It's so true. I try to remind myself that it's so true. It's like, yeah, so it's like true. that's that's how it works. It's like someone will be less sad about their home burning okay. down if you are less happy about your children being healthy. That's it. That's even God agrees. That's how it works. Yeah. Absolutely. God, our brains are so dumb. Okay, Natalia, it is your turn. Uh, I'm in that same boat as Sarah, and I know this is going to make people so mad that there's two-thirds of the hosts of this podcast today are are living the, the dream life of children not being at home, but my child is also in school full-time. Sarah, I've never, I, I know exactly what you mean about the, when your baby first starts sleeping and you're like, yes. what is this magic? Yeah. What I, this is, that's a hundred percent true. Super serum. It's like, all I of a sudden know. you're like, I do it. I, I like for the first time in months, I checked things off of my list, but that by the end of the week, I had not been getting checked off. All, like I actually was able to take my day off because I finished my sermon ahead of time or whatever, you know, I was like, Mm -hmm. normally I write my sermons on Wednesdays and then I let them sit for a day and then I pick it up on Friday. And I have been writing my sermons on Fridays because I haven't been getting them done during the week. And then I've been having to redo it, look over it, revise it, whatever on Saturday, which is like, oh my gosh, the thing I never wanted to do. And so it felt like, it just feels like a dream to be able to get back into that original, like some sort of schedule where I'm alone. And the first day I was like, I'm alone in my house. I am <laughs> alone in my house. What is this? And then mm-hmm. also then I proceeded to lock the keys of my car in my trunk at the liquor store, like a boss. was <laughs> 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 so just like the classiest lady ever on the first day of school. Of course you go to the liquor store. And so uh, that was, that was not the way I wanted to start the week, but which Sarah needs some context because <laughs> in Kentucky, you can get liquor anywhere. <laughs> and in that's, not true. that's not true. We still have a couple dry counties and there are still, oh, really? places, yeah, we have some dry counties, not as many. They're, they're, they're fall. They're, you know, they're falling quickly, but 
Um, There are some places and there's restrictions, still a couple restrictions on Sundays and a couple just like there's some local liquor stores. They can be open on Sunday, but they just choose not to be. So right, yeah. that's so we were not allowed to have them open on Sunday, and then and then also when when Minnesotans were like, yeah, we want them open on Sunday. Liquor store owners were like, please no. Yeah, like, that's ex- no, that's exactly what happened here. They're like, yeah, no, we're past. Thank you. Yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> uh, but we, I went to school in Cincinnati, and we would drive to Kentucky to go through the to the drive through liquor store that oh didn't my. card. In oh, Covington. Yeah. That's so, where Beth is. Um, I'm sad she's not here because you can mad call her out on that. That's where she I is. know. I was like, yeah. I know. live on the other end of the state where we have lots of dry counties. Lots Are we, of dry I live counties. by Kentucky Lake. And for a long time, like the counties around Kentucky Lake were dry, which you can just imagine. You know, you have boaters and all these people who want beer. And it's like they had to either bring it or remember. And so now they're, but they're, a couple of those counties are wet now. Oh God! Well, oh, yeah, we love Northern Kentucky as a as a <laughs> as a borderline alcoholic college student. That's the uh, you love Covington, okay? There Covington is just great. Love it. Oh, so yeah, that's that's what's on my train. Also, also enjoying the alone in my house and the checking things off lists in a yeah, way that I is. haven't done since March. Like truly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. it is. It's kind of like I love the the analogy of like once you have a newborn baby, and then you know it starts to do anything, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, I've got all this time. Like the the baby's asleep, or the baby can like occupy itself looking at something, and <laughs> you're like, what did I do with my time beforehand? I watched too like, much TV. I know the answer to that question. Yeah. I watched way <laughs> too much television in my twenties. Way too much. I should have been doing a million other things besides that. I watched so much Intervention and Sixteen and Pregnant, Hoarders. <laughs> And Real Housewives, I wasted my youth. Wasted it. <laughs> You're like, Same. oh my gosh. I really did. Yeah. I, I I mean, my dad used to say youth is wasted on the young. And yeah. uh, and and that's absolutely true. Uh, all of it. All of it. Like having having just like a, a, a body that can survive on three hours of sleep and, and thrive. Wasted on the young. College. <laughs> wasted on the young. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Having a body that can be active and not like, oh my gosh, what did I do yesterday? I hurt everywhere. (laughs) The nine-year-old today was like, hey, were you there when I did a flip on the couch and fell off and knocked my breath out of myself? And I was like, no, I wasn't. And he was like, but I was fine. I'm like, no, you feel fine, but you can damage now that you will feel at 40. So just remember that. Like I gave a like I I gave a straight up sermon to some little girls in my church who were trying to get healed. And I was like, listen to me. Your spine is separated by jelly. And every time you wear that stuff, you squish out some of the jelly. This is an anatomy lesson, sort of. And I was like, you don't understand. Like, you're wearing it down. And it doesn't bother you now. But you're like, it will eventually. And it'll be too late. Like, just don't. They're stupid. And then the wife of one of these children was like, you know, we just, what did she, how did she phrase it? She was like, we just let them do what makes them happy. And I wanted to be like, you and I have different parenting styles. I'm the what makes you sad? Let's lean into that so you can learn to get through it. Uh, <laughs> what makes you sad? What makes oh you, what's hard for you? Let's let's work work, work on that. Uh, absolutely the same. Also, it's like I'm I'm not a regular mom, or I'm not a cool mom. I'm a regular mom. That is my <laughs> that is my that is my that is my motto. Um, and actually, I'm just not I'm not a fun mom. That's just the bottom line. Like there there will be the party's over when I walk in. The party Pardon? don't stop till I walk in. This is what I told <laughs> to my 11 year old. I was like, Kesha. listen, because one time we were at church and he was like, your friends. 
my this is why your friends don't like me. And I was like, oh, let me tell you something. That's a compliment. That's a compliment. I don't want your stupid friends to like me. And here's why. Because first of all, I don't enjoy the company of 10-year-old boys and never will. Second of all, there'll be a time when you're they're going to do something really stupid and you're going to be like, y'all, my mom will kill me. And they'll go, yeah, you're right. Your mom's a bitch. And they'll let you yes. go. And you'll be so happy. You'll be so happy mm-hmm. because they'll all know what a jerk I am and that I don't play. And so when you're like, I can't do that, they'll be like, yeah, you're right. And they won't bust on you and you'll have an escape hatch and you're welcome in advance. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I've said that exact thing. Like you can always throw me under the bus with your friends. Yep. I can handle it. Like I'm not... Not super worried about what the 10-year-old girls on the block think about me. So uh, (laughs) it's fine. I'll handle my disappointment that they don't like me. Thanks. 10-year-old Sarah cared so much, cared enough for like the rest of my lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) So so true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Same with 10-year-old Nora. I was like, I will be whoever you think I am. Yeah. Um, Want me to be. It's fine. Yeah. Actually, no, it's it's the wanting to be that I could never quite follow through with. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to badly, but I could just never quite get there to the sweet say nothing girl. This was not available to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So now, 20, 20 minutes in, um, yes. we do have we do have a, a sort of topic, which is this nuanced Christian life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, one of the things we we started this podcast, Sarah, uh, it's been two years, we started this podcast around the idea of not being, or being not that kind of Christian, right? To, to, to kind of note that we had to caveat our Christianity out in public so often, right? To be like, I'm, yeah, I'm a Christian. You kind of say it a little sheepishly, right? To be like, oh, but I, mm-hmm. but I'm just not, I'm just not that. I'm not that kind of Christian, like the one that's you know allowed and out, out on television all the time. And, and so, the one that the one that marginalized groups aren't safe around. Yeah, right, ex- exactly. Well, it's and the so, same thing Beth used to do with being before she changed her registration with being a Republican. I'm a Republican, mm-hmm. not that kind of Republican. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't worry. I, I don't want to like, take away like your, yeah, exactly. I don't want to take away your human rights. I just, you know. So we, we're curious about nuance in Christianity. I think we, we spend so much time we <laughs> wondering what that looks like, right? And all these, we sort of take a, that lens on lots of different issues. And some people don't, don't, can't, haven't been raised in such a way to be able to look at faith and Christianity and scripture and all these things in in a nuanced way, right? That that Christianity for so many people is black and white. It's it's uh, in or out, yes or no, right? It's um, you believe this or you're wrong. It's just so hard to to start just as it is in politics. I think it's hard to start bringing in the idea of nuance into faith, just as it is in like 
the rest of our life. And so I was very excited to have you and Beth on the podcast just because I, I feel like this idea of nuance and faith fits really well with what we do and what, what you do, right? It's a nice crossover of what the, the two groups that that we ponder and think about regularly. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, I know you and Beth are both people of faith, but also you are nuanced in the way you believe and the way you um, present in the world. So I'm curious about how that has kind of played out for you in public and in private. Well, you know, I think my journey, particularly with the church, and I'm going to use the church specifically and not necessarily Jesus. It's like you said at the beginning, I really never had a beef with him. Paul, maybe. <laughs> Jesus, no. <laughs> and, you know, I grew up in an evangelical Baptist church with all the baggage and arguably oppression that comes along with that. There were good spots, but like it really turned me off for church from a very long time, specifically when I had premarital sex and my life did not fall into shambles around me. And I thought, mm, what? What? It did it? What, else, what else were you guys lying about? <laughs> And so I, you know, I didn't go to church for probably about 10 years. I had my first son and I thought, you know, I argue all the time that people need to give like other institutions like government and public education and, you know, politicians sort of like grace, right? Not have Mm. a zero tolerance policy. And I realized I was really applying that zero tolerance policy to the church. This idea that I would stomach no error, right? And that the only way to sort of protest what I felt was a really harmful experience was to just completely bow out completely all the way. So I kind of started reevaluating that. My husband was like, hey, I grew up Episcopal and I don't carry all that baggage. Want to try that out? And I was like, good idea. <laughs> so um, we Dang started. Protestants. I know, right? <laughs> and I think a big part for me at that time, our church had a female minister. And that just felt like a very safe space for me, especially as I was going back to church. And so we went back to the Episcopal church when my now 11-year-old was probably about two. I was pregnant. Yeah, because I was pregnant with my son, Amos, and he's nine now. So we went back and, you know, I think I started really re-examining. I thought, you know, I kind of had this idea like, oh, we're going to go. We're going to let the kids soak it up more out. Well, of course, that's not how it worked. I got sort of swept up in the community of human beings at our church and started thinking about my faith in a different way. And I totally am, agree with Brene Brown. I'm a Borg again Christian. I read some Marcus Borg and was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Found Richard Rohr, um, who just broke everything wide open for me in a real way. And so, you know, and I think especially as we started the podcast and started articulating the idea that in politics, in the political space, a lot of times what we're talking about is values. Mm. And, you know, my values are very informed by the teachings of Christ. And I wanted to be able to live that and articulate that and and constantly being examining that and you know I saw the the church as a really essential component of that journey and so I think you know the nuance I've found recently as far as you know church which nobody can go to right now at least we can't. Some people are still going, then getting COVID. It's fine. And then, you know, just this idea of the role of individuality, not in the church and Christianity and our culture. We had a listener send us this great thing about how she sees it as like 
the she called it the Pauline approach, like Paul, like a very focused approach to Paul, whereas the what you need to be consumed with is your personal relationship with Christ, this very individualistic view versus a gospel view that's very informed by your neighbors and your connection to other people. And like, there's just, if you're trying to turn from that individualistic mindset, which I think infects everything, the church, healthcare, education, politics, um, and turn towards a more connected, community-driven approach to problem-solving and, I don't know, just life, there's no way to do that without nuance. Like, you're going to gather a bunch of human beings together. It's going to get complicated. It's going to be frustrating. There's just no other way. (laughs) My friend emailed me the other day and was, like, frustrated with, uh, with a group of people. And she was like, I just, you know, I wish it was more controlled. And I was like, well, then you have the wrong species. You should be an ant. Like, that's not how we roll. It's just not how we roll. And like, Or a bee. You would be, oh, she'd a be bee. a great bee. Like, there's lots of options. But humans, you know, it's this this connection, this experience we have together, be it with our children or, or our spouses or our congregations or our communities or our nation, like what we're, you know, living through right now is extremely nuanced and extremely complicated. And the quicker we can let go of that sort of black and white, us, them, good guys, bad guys, prism, you know, th- certainly the less frustrated we'll be. But it's it's really hard. I think it's really baked in that I'm, you know, this sort of myopic, individualistic view where I'm walking through the world as the, you know, the sort of hero in my own story, and I'm sorting all the people. Are they with me or are they against me? I mean, you know, it's just, it's so damaging to our psyche. And I think the sooner we can all move from that. But the problem is like, there's no way to sort of convince people of that. You just have to live it. Like, that's what we always say about the tough conversations, these difficult conversations about politics or anything else. Like, I can give you all the tips and advice. I can fill a book with it, in fact. But like the whole part of the book is you got to just go practice it. It's not one conversation. Yeah. We're not teaching you to how, how to hack political conversations. We're teaching you to go out and do it. And it will break your heart sometimes. And then the sun will still rise the next day. Mm. You just have to live that. You know, you just have to experience that sort of vulnerability and frustration and heartbreak and all those things wrapped up in being in relationship with other human beings and the joy and the happiness and the fulfillment Like they're just, you know, it's the paradox you get, they live on the, you know, each side of the same coin and it's just hard to, it's hard to convey that. You just have to experience it. I think two people struggle online, um, and this is purely, obviously, I'm not not, not talking about myself, I've never done any (laughs) of this, but it's like, you know, where the success or, or dopamine is not released on the internet from having a lukewarm take that gets like six likes. It's from right. having something, you know, I, I like having a tweet that can go viral, in, which in 240 characters is going to be quite difficult for you to. There will be no nuance. There will be no, you are not rewarded for nuance. You are rewarded for the hottest of takes. And, yep. and that invites just as much um rigidity from uh f- from whoever reads it and does not feel the same way so it it like you're setting up and by you I mean Nora McNerney is setting up a system <laughs> and perpetuating a system where people can entrench more deeply 
into whatever they believe is is right. And everybody walks away feeling grosser and worse. One of my favorite phrases we use in the book is the siren song of self-righteousness. Like, that's what I have singing in my ears all the time. Uh, yes. Amen. I'm just going to get on Facebook. I'm going to share this particular article from Atlantic and everybody's going to see the light and we can all move in with our lives. And it's just, you yeah. know, I still want it to be like that. And am I still probably going to st- share articles from the Atlantic? Yeah. But I know deep <laughs> down it's not going to work. You know, like I know deep down that's not how things happen. I don't think that Facebook, I mean, I do think that Facebook is the devil's playground. But I think that there are opportunities where you can stumble upon something difficult, stumble upon conflict. And we see a lot of listeners pulling, just pulling the conversation even into a direct message or offline and a lot of beautiful things happening. But, you know, it's sort of like the, the our whole idea with the podcast. Like we didn't want to speak in talking points. We didn't want to speak in posts and tweets. Like we wanted to speak deeply and you can't do that or it is inc- very, very difficult to do that through a social media platform. Like the best way to get curious with one another and really learn is through relationship, not just one conversation, even one conversation in person. This is an ongoing process. This is a, a thing where we're going to prioritize the relationship, not like, oh, I own them. My least favorite phrase online. Watch so-and-so Ugh. get owned. Oh, God. It's so it's gross. Not- I know. I hate, that. I hate that line. It's so awful. And, you know, I I think that there is, and, he, and here's the other thing too, though. You know, when we're talking about this, like get owned appeals to a a very particular, usually masculine, usually young perspective. And so we do need to acknowledge something is being met there. Like there are people doing the Lord's work, like ContraPoints over on YouTube, like appealing to a very certain. (laughs) Yeah, like a very certain need that the human beings have. And instead of just being like rolling our eyes and shaming and pretending it doesn't exist, like meeting people where there are. And like, that's, I think that's a really important part of this because, you know, it's not like I'm asking a person of color to go really engage with grace with a white supremacist. I am not asking that and never would. Like, that's not their work to do. Beth always says, like, you need to really be aware of what your work to do is. But like, if you are a white lady who has privilege and resources in the space, in which you can push people into uncomfortable scenarios and know that you will maintain safety and maintain boundaries, then like, yeah, well, let's talk. If you want to be an ally, sometimes an ally is going into the tough rooms, not just standing next to our brothers and sisters of color, right? You know, it's this is white people's work to do. And this is sometimes cisgender people's work to do. And this is most certainly men's work to do when we talk about toxic masculinity. Like, Which, by the way, like, where are the men in these things? Like, do you see? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I truly am like, where are you? Yeah, are I mean, you, white it's guys? hard. It's so hard. I think like because <laughs> they're there, but then then it just become then they're just owning conservative people, right? Like I, that, mm, there's a yes. there's a warrior, there's a battlefield mentality oh. that can really take over, and I think you know that's hard, and I think that that's a converse as much as you know. We need to have conversations about white supremacy. We need to have conversations about male supremacy. And the fact that that perspective really infects things and is so toxic. I mean, toxic masculinity is a buzzword, but seven, you know, we're in the middle of Suicide Awareness Month. 75% of deaths by suicide are male. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Yeah. You know, like, 
So, and I, as a mother of three boys, like it just feels like there are these sirens, these red flags all over the place when we talk about the lessons that men absorb. I think one of the best ways I've ever heard it put was my uncle who said about another male family member, like he wants to be the victim and the hero. And that is so hard. I mean, you can see that sort of that tension, even in like Donald Trump and a lot of our political figures, this idea that like, I'm the only one that can save the day. And also everyone's attacking me, you know, like this just very dichotomous viewpoint that can, I I feel like can just really shred you if you're not careful, or even if you are careful, you know, I just, I think we have some really hard conversations and a lot of work to do with the men in our own lives. You know, I think COVID has shaken loose a lot of the gender roles inside families and this idea that the women in the family are just picking up all the slack. And right now, I mean, slack doesn't seem like a fair description of what's happening in the middle of the <laughs> pandemic. Kidding. No kidding. It feels um, like more like the Volkswagen full of bullshit. But <laughs> I think that that's like, you know, we just have to, we have to say it. We have to name it. Like we have to say it feels really unfair right now that I'm carrying the entire burden for virtual learning. That doesn't seem right to me. It's hard. It creates tensions in relationships that that as women we've been taught, this is definitely what happens in politics, we've been taught to erase tension, to remove tension, to make everyone comfortable. And, you know, I don't think that's gotten us the place we want to go. I think staying comfortable is not a way to solve problems. That idea of being the victim and the savior, man, I, I think that speaks so much to, I mean, me as a, as a pastor, as a person, as a mom, as a wife, I just think these, these ideas of like, I also enjoy being the one who gets to solve all the problems. Right. I also like being the one that has all the answers and, and I like getting things right. And I like finding out that my, what I thought was my opinion actually was, you know, right all along or the thing I thought was true is true. I mean, we all enjoy that. That is, that's human. And I think part of the nuance of, of a person being a person of faith uh, is to remind ourselves that like, we are not the savior, (laughs) Mm. you know, and we really like one of my friends. um, She's a pastor in North Carolina. She, she always says like, Oh, you're sitting in the big chair. Like you think, you get to be the one on the big chair, right? She always talks about um, that God's the only one that gets to sit in the big chair. But there's moments where her and her husband will be like, "Oh, I know, I know what you're, I know what you're doing right now." They say it to their kids, to each other, to like to remind each other of this moment of, "Oh, that's what's happening here." Like I've I've set myself on the big chair, and it's a good it's a good moment to be like, um, "That's not my chair to sit in," right? Yeah. That's not my place to be in. And I find that, you know, I think partly as a, as a person with some privilege and a person in a position of, of leadership and as an Enneagram one, those things are very challenging to put all together, to be like, I am right. And here is the thing you all need to know. That's I'll never forget. I got the Ennea thought email one day that for the, I'm also a one and they were like, ones have a tendency to feel like they see chaos everywhere and they're the only ones that could fix it. And I was like, get out of my head. That's rude. Like that's (laughs) rude. The Ennea thought is is so aggressive. It is. I was like, no, but I mean, because it's not that I, it's just, I feel like, you know, for me as an Enneagram one, it's not that I feel 
like I'm the only one can fix it, but I feel like a bad person if I'm not like, you know, I always talk about Lottie Moon. I feel like Lottie Moon was a very damaging narrative. When I was growing up, like you're only good, you're only sacrificing the Lord if you're literally giving all your food away. Joseph Lottie, the Lottie Moon offering at your church is anything. Um, No. Okay, this is a big deal. So Lottie Moon was this missionary, I believe in China, in like the 1800s, maybe early 1900s. And we would always collect the Lottie Moon offering. And I remember there was maybe some like videos. And the story of Lottie Moon is that she literally gave all her food away until she starved to death and wow. died. So it's, is that what the and giving like, trip is the standard? On? That's the only way? <laughs> Kind of. Must have been. I bet somebody who wrote that went to a church where they had the Lottie Moon offering. Like, it just, it was like very, because again, it's that individualistic. Like, I remember one time listening to an interview with Shauna Nyquist on Oprah's podcast, and she was like, you can never do something so bad, God will stop loving you. And I was like, yeah, 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 I know, I got it. And then she was like, you can also not be no, so good, part, God will love part, you more. And I was like, wait, yeah. Paul, mm, I don't think that's right, Shauna. Check your book, girl. No, definitely. Yeah, you can be good enough. Like, you can yeah. be so good. Jesus definitely loves you more than everybody else. Like, I, that's what I picked up from the Lottie. Like, he definitely loves Lottie even more. And then we named an offering after her, which means we, we all love her children. more than the other missionaries who live. Yes. Yes. And we're... No. Right. Do I remember the name <laughs> of another missionary? No, I do not. Thank you for asking. And so, <laughs> like, it was just like this very, again, individualistic. You're never quite good enough, but you, be- you sure as heck better keep trying. As opposed to, oh, good news. The real good news. You're connected. We're all children of God. You're not in this alone. Like, not only because you're not in this alone because of Christ, but you're not in this alone because we are all part of this family and we are all neighbors to one another. And Mm. you don't have to solve it by yourself. Isn't that great? And that's not the only, like, you're not trying to earn it. Grace is unearned. Like, you don't have to hustle and starve yourself because that's not the goal. The goal is to, you know, accept this beautiful gift that was unearned. Who also didn't earn it. Their <laughs> neighbors, right? And it's like, I was listening to Nadia Boltz Weber on Dak Shepard's podcast the other day. Gosh, she did, did, y'all, did y'all ever listen to his podcast? I do. I did not listen to that one, though. I'm kind of, I, I save longer podcasts for really long, like, I almost said runs. I don't run. I go on a walk. Okay. Oh, it's long. They like, they bob and weave around each other because he's like a kind of, forceful atheist and so he was like going at her and man she was just bobbing and weaving she had an answer she was so good and she was just talking (laughs) about like grace and how important a role that is and like you know she's like nobody earns the taste of a peach on a hot summer day like nobody nobody not even the sweet precious Lottie Moon like you know what I mean like it's just she she articulated that idea so well that like and and I think if we can go into Lord Facebook or tough conversations about politics or otherwise, or particularly into the voting booth with this idea that like, hey, this is unearned. And citizenship is kind of a good example for that for a lot of us. It's like a birth for so, so many of us. We didn't earn this citizenship. Right. And I think like just keeping that perspective as a source of connection to your fellow human beings instead of falling for that siren song of self-righteousness that is so disconnecting. I mean, it's not easy, but it's not complicated. Right. Uh, that that idea, I, I read that same article, Sarah, that you guys posted about moving from Paul, sort of that individualistic, right, to the gospel of communal theology, more of a, like acting. We talk a lot on our podcast about acting outside of your own self-interest mm-hmm. and how how contradictory to our whole life that is. Like everything else in our society tells us to like take care of yourself and make sure you're okay and put on your own oxygen mask first. And all of those things are 
It's like our, and it's like our psychology and animalistic nature, you know, it's like, oh, it's really baked in to a certain extent. Right. And then to say, okay, you've, so the reality I think of a, of a, of grace and a Christian life is saying like, God put on your oxygen mask for you. And what are you going to do now? Like, Mm. who are you going to take care of? And like, you don't have to worry about the oxygen mask. It's there. And so like, what, what are you going to do with this, you know, with your one wild and precious life, right? Like, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with the freedom you've been given to stop hustling so much and working so hard and, you know, starving yourself in order to, (laughs) in order, like, what are you going to do so that you don't have to earn it, but that you, you are taking care of the community, right? You're taking care of the we. Uh, My daughter is in, in softball for the first time this this year she's in fall ball it's so cute this little girl team is like all girl power all rah rah girls are awesome they're so cute they do the little cheers for each other but oh my god the cheers the che- what stands out to me from softball was that we spent i would say 30 percent of our time coordinating <laughs> new cheers <laughs> but what that's teaching her to me is so beautiful they're teaching community in a in a really powerful way where they're saying like it doesn't matter if you strike out Mm. because somebody behind you is going like we win and lose as a team we do this as a team like your individual actions yeah like it's awesome if you do a good thing but it doesn't necessarily matter more than what happens as a team right and so they've they're teaching this mentality of like, here's what it means to be a part of this team in a way that I'm like, dang, softball, fall ball, who knew? <laughs> who knew they're doing in some ways like a better job than the church does about reminding people like we are a part of something bigger. And it is not necessarily about your individual skill. It's about how you support each other and connect with each other and and cheer each other on and encourage each other. And I I've been like, geez. <laughs> Jeez, um, I'm, getting, okay. <laughs> I'm getting schooled over here in fall ball who knew you know what we've really been we've been talking a lot about the idea of caregiving mm. like caring for one another as a as a model for citizenship and you know even using the word mothering if, if, if we're really talking to a female audience because it gives us such a good way to think through that like you know I always say like I feel like parenting is just saying to my children a million different ways. You are not the only person here adjust accordingly. Like you're not the only person on planet earth or in this family or in this room. And so I need you to just think through that and adjust your behavior. And I like, I think that's part of it. And I think that, you know, in citizenship, like we get a lot of questions of like, well, what if I'm talking to somebody who, you know, even a family member who's, you know, disrespecting my basic identity or being really hurtful or whatever, And I'm like, you know, caring for people is not condoning everything they do. Like, I can really shut it down as a mother of other people's kids. I ain't got no problem with that. Like, you just pull on that voice and you're like, that's not acceptable. I love you. That is not acceptable. And the struggle for me, you know, I always say like the Jesus flipping the tables in the the temple is my favorite Jesus. (laughs) But it's like, it's such a fine line. I can really tip into self-righteousness. But when you really love someone and you see yourself connected to them and you can say, like, I don't see who you are and what you're saying right now, who I know you to be. And like, we can all do that. And, and you see the same thing as like what you're talking about, like in teams, like you see that, like, it's not like teams are always like, 
you know, you're doing a great, you're doing such a good job. It doesn't matter that you completely cheated or completely like ran over your fellow team member while they were trying to do their, play their role on the team. Like there's roles for coaches and uh, fellow team members to be like, we still love you. You're still part of this team. You can't do that Mm. anymore. That doesn't work. That doesn't work for the good of the group. Because as much as we are finely tuned to this kind of animalistic instinct to look at everything through an individual lens. The paradox of being a human being and being this particular species is we are also finely tuned to the group. That's why we love that us mm-hmm. them so much. That's why it ticks a box in our brain, right? Like we are finely tuned to that. Shame doesn't work, but social pressure sure as hell does. Yeah. <laughs> like those, uh, my favorite is the electricity experiment where they like put on your bill. You are in the top. Oh, yeah. That, that works for the, me yeah, 100%. Energy user. No, yeah, I'm going to, I want to be yep. everybody on that nest email every month. <laughs> like, I want that. I want that for myself. And like, and that you can, you kind of saw it with masks, right? It was like, oh, I don't know. How are we going to come down on this? And then all of a sudden, a lot of because the social pressure came from big corporations that were saying, you want to come to Target, yep. put a mask on. But that can work too. That like where you're looking around and you're like, it's not because everybody's in your face being like, you suck. But you're looking around being like, oh, I'm the yeah. only one. I don't know, guys. I don't know. That is valuable too. And there's a, you know, there's a, a space for when we're watching out for the group. We want to, or especially if we feel like a group or congregation or church or community or whatever is falling down a rabbit hole or a bad path to say, no. This isn't going to work for us. This isn't going to work for us. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So is there a space to do this with people who are not really in your community with people that you don't really have a relationship with, but people who believe they have a relationship with you. And I'm obviously asking specifically for myself. When you have a hundred thousand followers <laughs> on Instagram and then, and you know, it's, uh, I don't know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it, frankly. Uh, like, and I don't know how to, um, to, I, I do feel like there is a responsibility to try to have these conversations. And also, um, I don't have, I, I struggle to find like a place to start with people who, uh, it, 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 that that's not judgmental, you know, and, and like your book, which is basically like the minute you want to give, you said earlier before your recording, Sarah said, if the minute you want to give this book to somebody, it means you need it. And, you know, yeah, we get a lot of hate giving. I know just who yeah. needs this book. Well, yeah. you do. Yes, you need it's the you. book. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the thing. So there's a difference between relationship and influence. Now, relationship is a great place for influence, obviously. Moving from a place of trust where you are having and you're you're continuing to build that trust, there's an enormous opportunity for influence there um, within those conversations. 
But there is also influence without conversation. You know, Beth and I are having a conversation together inside a relationship on our podcast, but we're influencing everyone who listens to that conversation, but we're not in Mm. relationship with those people. And so I think when, you know, just for myself, I'm thinking about influence instead of direct conversation, then it's important for me to really be in a space of modeling, like showing, not telling, just specifically through our podcast. Like if we were talking to the audience, it would not be very interesting. We are really talking to one another and caring for that relationship. That's why I didn't blink an eye when Beth wanted to change her registration, even though it gives people in our community all kinds of fits. They want us to still be bipartisan. So many people want us to be bipartisan. Well, I don't care. I don't care about that. I care about her. That's just a different model from the influence of social media, right? Because it's, you know, sometimes you're going to have an exchange in a thread that's with somebody you have a relationship with. Sometimes, you know, I think you can build relationship in those threads. It's not easy. I've done it a couple times. It was a lot of work. I'm not sure it was really worth it. What I used to do, what I used to say I would do on Facebook, I don't do it as much anymore because I do feel like Facebook is the devil's playground is I would just sort of disrupt the narrative. Like, I felt like that was the best use of influence with people that I didn't have a relationship mm. with. So I would, my father is a, like, full full MAGA, full Trump supporter. And so I would just show up in his threads and say, like, hi, I'm a Democrat. I'm not a member of Antifa. I don't eat babies. <laughs> I actually like babies. And I don't want to destroy our country. Just wanted to be, like, a friendly, helpful reminder of that fact that, like, There are lots of Americans whose values are represented in the Democratic Party who are not your enemies, but yet are your fellow Mm. citizens. And so, you know, I think there's a space for that. I think that there's a space to just sort of disrupt. Like, I think that's kind of a good use for influence where there's maybe not a lot of relationship. It's just a really tricky game. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, and I think there's, you know, always a role to just share how you're feeling about something. Um, to share your thoughts on a subject, um, knowing a lot of people are going to read it that you're not in a in a close personal relationship with, especially like, you know, Beth does a post every election day about like the ballot. This is what I know about these candidates. I'm going to put links in the mm. comments and like people love it because not everybody has time to do that kind of research. And I think when you're sharing your perspective, that might be different than other people's as opposed to just amplifying a party talking point. That's the kind of influence that can really have impact. Because it's not like they need one per- more person in their feed saying that they think Trump's an idiot. Like, we're full up on yeah. that. You know? Yeah, like, we, we get got it. it. We get it. The people who know that know yeah. it. Like, we got it. But, you know, it, through a personal, ex- you know, like my child has a disability. He has hemiplegia. So he has an IEP. So sharing my personal experience with that process, even with people I'm not close to a personal relationship, might open their eyes to something they will not experience. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you know, I think that there's a role for that. And I think there's a power in that on social media where you're influencing sh- through sharing something authentically or sort of, you know, just sort of disrupting one of those binary narratives by saying, I just wanted to roll in here and say it's a little more complicated that, at least for me mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, you're not always going to get applause and you're definitely maybe you're going to get some hate coming back at you. I mean, I think that's just, you know, that's the part of the game on social media. It rewards. Yeah, it really does. It really does. And then also, and sometimes like, I will be honest, I, we, 
I go on looking for a fight, mm. you know, like I, I it's, it's some, and I'm going to, so I'm going to do a full Dr. Filler now. And how not, is that working? Well, it's like, it's true middle child energy. Okay. It's like, how did it work as a kid oh. either? It's like, let me throw a fit. So my parents will pay attention to me. It's like just such a, yeah. It's so yeah. dumb. And like, I still do it. Like, you know, I think the part of it, like, I don't even remember where I heard this recently, but they were like, Self-awareness is about, the goal is not to have these instincts. That's not the goal because that is an unachievable Mm -hmm. goal. The goal is just to be aware of them and to take a beat before you respond and react or to respond rather than react, right? And so believe me, every time I I still read a lot of Atlantic (laughs) articles and every time I have this instinct, I'm going to put this on Facebook and and really do it. And sometimes I do because I think it's worthwhile and I think it might be something that people don't know or see a lot of. But like, it's still there, but I'm at least aware enough not to, I've gotten better at like not immediately picking up my phone or when I'm, and you know, I'm really lucky too. the fight, the instinct to fight in me is decreased a little bit because I don't feel so powerless and alone because I have a steady flow in my inbox of people like I'm paying attention for the first time. I'm voting for the first time. I no longer believe you can only be a Republican and be Christian. So I I don't get in that spiral of like, oh my God, it's going to go terrible because I have a really steady inflow of other voices in my ear. So, you know, as much as you can, you know, really cultivate that. Cultivate some spaces for hope, some testimonies of people out there like working in areas you care about or even better work in those areas you care about what bubbles up in the headlines is not the reality like there's so much more going on in the world always everywhere that stuff doesn't make the headlines and you know also like i tell people they're like oh my god how do you just say like how do you work in news and politics and i'm like because i sit down for two hours a week and process my feelings about it with my friend like if we were all doing what i was like you think talking about it and reading about it makes you more stressed but in a weird way it doesn't because you're really working through okay what's happening why am i freaked out about this and it's not to say like i you know i started the show i'm free i'm really freaked out and sad and anxious about what's happening on the Mm -hmm. west coast right now But even just naming that and knowing, like, I'm not the only one and everyone is scared and concerned, like, there is a certain amount of comfort in that. Not, like, hopefully not acquiescence and not just a cynicism, there's nothing we can do. I don't feel that. But there's just something about, again, it's that pulling ourselves out of that individualistic, let me consume the world's on fire, sometimes literally, and stay in my own head and think I'm going to fix it from behind a computer screen by posting on Facebook and getting out of that and saying, oh, no, no, I'm not alone. What's a what's a fuller understanding of what's happening? Because that, you know, a fuller understanding of what's happening will always lend some complexity that will ease your anxiety, in my opinion, because the headlines are just emotion. Mm-hmm. And when you can dive into the stories and especially read the stories from a couple different sources and you see that it's not all is bad. Like there's always way more to it or there's degrees of bad or different forms of bad. Even that, like, I I think it's helpful to a certain extent, but like, I think that that just doing that and processing it, it just brings a really different feel to like, I don't know, living in the world right now. We're going to end right there. Sarah, thank you so much for, for joining us on this episode. You are wonderful. I also am going to be uh, contacting you. you about a different show too. 
Um, <laughs> so, so stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned. Stay stay connected to that email. Just kidding. I'll email your producer. And uh, yeah, it's really really wonderful. It's a great conversation. You can where, Sarah. Where where do you want people to find you? Where should people? Obviously, we need everybody to smash that subscribe button for Nuanced Life. Right, right, absolutely. You can find our podcast wherever you find podcasts. Our website is pantsuitpoliticsshow.com where you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which honestly, especially if you're looking for sources of hope, we include a lot of listener mail in that newsletter. And it's always a really good source of other experiences, other perspectives around the country. And then um, we are on even, God bless us, even Facebook. But Instagram, I would yeah. say, is our, our primary platform. I do a daily news brief there. And, and it's so every good. Morning. Thank you. Oh my gosh, it makes you. me feel so much better. The good morning. Oh my gosh, I love a good morning. I love hearing. Um, I love hearing your good morning to start the day, and I love listening to you instead of all of the other uh, dumpster fire news sources that are out there. I'd much rather hear you just. Uh, I'm also an emotional Enneagram one, Sarah. So when you cry about things, I'm also usually crying about the same things. And, and so I'm always like, okay, see, I'm not the only one that feels this way that gets self-righteous and gets righteously angry and then cries about stuff. I'm like, it's, it's my jam. I highly recommend the Insta follow of pantsuit politics. Love it. Uh, all right. Well, I ju- you just you got so one much. more email subscriber. Okay. And then as always, uh, when it comes to this podcast, when it comes to life, you're going to want to be nuanced and you're going to want to take what you like and leave the rest. That's what we do here. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back in your ears on Friday over at Pantsuit Politics. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. The Nuanced Life is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our managing director. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Learn more about our work by visiting pantsuitpoliticsshow.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter and following Pantsuit Politics on Instagram.